Hey everybody and welcome back to the Saber Talk podcast. This is Mark Geis. And Josh Eppinger. And uh, we're sorry for the long hiatus. It's been pretty difficult. We've had conflicting schedules and I was doing a lot of traveling and Josh is working two jobs right now. So there was a, a few week gap there, but we're going to hopefully catch everything up, be able to do this on a more regular frequency here moving forward. And hopefully we haven't lost all the momentum that we had gained leading up to that last episode that we did. Yeah, kind of like the Sabres have late. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, we've got quite a bit to talk to talk about. We've got about an hour here to fit this in, so we're going to try to pack in as much content as we can before Josh has to go off and work again. So um, we'll be talking about what's happened since that prior episode and what we see happening, and I think we can draw a lot more conclusions about the Sabres season since – that prior episode you know we've we've gotten another 10 or so games deeper in the Sabres have had a pretty rough stretch they've played it about their season pace um, so we, we're able to draw more conclusions about how the NHL is now separating itself into different classes yeah absolutely um and unfortunately it looks like the Sabres are in the back end of that class um don't want to get too hard ahead of ourselves here but I mean we we're just over half the season but things aren't looking good in Buffalo it's uh been a frustrating couple of weeks since they hit our hiatus on the Saber Talk podcast, and uh, I mean, just going the last two games, uh, losing out down in Tampa to a pretty close game till the end there, and then being involved in a game against Carolina. Who, correct me if I was wrong, I'm pretty sure it was eleven three and one in the last fifteen games before we played them. Um, we went there and got scored early which has been a problem the Sabres earlier on in the season, not being able to score. So we, we they should the team should be feeling good, and uh, they kind of lose all momentum. Try to play the quick transition game that Carolina uh, has been playing, and uh, the Sabres aren't that team. They couldn't, they couldn't stop for a second and breathe. They just kept on playing Carolina's game. If you're going to play another team's game, you're not going to win. Definitely. I thought Carolina really just dictated how that entire game went, and that's exactly what they want to do. That's why they've been so good so far this year. Um, and so I'll say so good relative to expectations, I would say, because there aren't a lot of names on that team. You know, that wasn't a team that anybody was really picking to be that competitive. But their defense, they've got a lot of, a lot of mobile guys that can move the puck, and they play really in control. They don't give up odd man rushes, don't give up a lot of chances, and – Kind of like you said, they dictated the pace of that game and made Buffalo play their style. And, of course, when you make another team play your style, chances are you're going to come out victorious. Yeah. So that one was pretty frustrating. Yeah, I wonder if, um, you know, if a coach there said, hey, guys, we need, you know, TV timeout in between periods. Guys, we need to slow down. We need to play with this team. We're... We we need to play our style of the game. Let's take a second and breathe. We're 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 a slower team. They're a quicker team. Doesn't mean that we have to go out there and try to get to the net quick as possible to set up for a goal. We're uh that's just not the team the Sabers are. Yeah, and I think what the style the Sabers play, it's really predicated on needing to play well in your defensive zone. And they played horribly, I thought, in their defensive zone in that game. Just a lot of breakdowns. Just you know basically abandoning basic principles of, of playing defense in your own zone. Reinhardt had a couple breakdowns, just defensemen chasing the puck into the corner when they should have been staying out closer to the front of the net, and that was probably most frustrating to me. You know, Not only could you not play the style you wanted to, but then making just dumb mistakes. Yeah, and you know, it, it kind of reminded – I had to turn the game off after 2-5, and uh, – Kind of reminded me of, and I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go back at the end of the season and say, man, if the Sabres could have picked up that extra point against the Blackhawks, we would have made the playoffs because that's nowhere where I'm trying to go. But what I'm saying is, is that one of the guys, one of the best guys in the league that can uh, create space in his own zone is Patrick Kane. And uh, against the Blackhawks in the, when they were up three to two, and uh, Kane. Uh, skated the puck around around our zone, uh, behind the net, back up, all the way back to the half boards, and puts the puck on net where Leonard, uh, not Leonard, uh, Nilsson gives up a rebound to uh, let the game tie with two minutes left. I mean, you can't let players like that dictate your game. You you got to 
be in their face. You gotta let you gotta shut them down and not let them create the space. Um, it's it's been it's been frustrating. I don't know if you could tell by the tone of my voice, Mark. Definitely. Well, that's kind of been the story of the season too. You can look back on so many instances where they've lost points because of just breakdowns late in the game. Um, they've lost a lot of games in overtime, and then obviously in the shootout too. We know how bad this team is in the shootout, but. That's a big issue, I think, is that the Sabres are not good at neutralizing other teams' top players, other teams' skill players, and then our system does not put our best players in the best position to succeed. And it's kind of a double-edged sword that hurts them on both ends. And that's one of the reasons why this team is just terrible in overtime and then even worse in shootouts. They have trouble just going out there and playing, I think, and playing three-on-three. That's kind of what the three-on-three is. Yeah, I, I, and you know, I'd maybe go as far as to say it shows on five on five play too. Uh, it's, it's been, it, I, I don't understand. I don't understand what is going on with this team. Starting off the year, I, I thought, hey, we're gonna make a run at the playoffs, and it looks like, hey, we're gonna end up with a the eighth overall pick again this year. That's that's my mentality right now. Yeah, and if not, if not higher, I'd kind of be surprised at this point. I don't know how far they'll be able to climb themselves out of the cellar. And right now they're in that kind of bottom four, bottom five type of group. Of course, I have no confidence in them being able to win one of those lottery <laughs> spots. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah absolutely. We all know, we, we all know that's not going to happen. Um, but it's it, it has been extremely frustrating. The only good thing about this team, really, it, the goaltending's been pretty good, I guess, I'll, I'll say. But the first power play unit. That's the only thing that's kept this team as good as it is, and that's not good at all. But they're bad five-on-five, they're terrible shorthanded, their second power play unit isn't very good, and their defense is not good either. And how are you ever going to win when all those things are going against you and you basically need your power play to score a goal or two in a game in order to win? Yeah. And, you know, it. it's funny. Another thing about this team that's funny is that they keep on drawing you back in. You know, after um, after a few good games, I went to the for uh, Key Bank Center on Tuesday and saw the Sabres-Flyers game. And that was a great a great showing. Uh, well, really, especially on Anders Nilsson's part. If he's not there, I don't even know if they win that game. Um, but it was a great time to go out there and see, see them beat the Flyers. If anyone that knows me knows I hate the Flyers. Um, and they go out and they, they, they get it done. They get it done. Sam Reiner has a great night. Uh, goal and two assists, I'm pretty sure, for the night. And they they come out and, hey, we're playing Tampa. We, we beat Tampa in the, on Thursday night. We're uh, ahead of them in the standings. And we'd be having a completely different conversation right now. So, you know... With the good comes the bad, and with the bad comes the good, and it's just hard to take. Yeah, I agree. It's been constant one step forward and two steps back, mm-hmm. and they haven't really had a like a long extended losing streak that you can really point to. You know, where they lost seven or eight in a row, or something like that. But you know, they'll they'll win one or two in a row, have a really you know really intriguing showing, and then they'll go out and they'll lose three or four in a row, and they'll do it within games too. Like I went to the Boston game when I was back in Buffalo uh, on the 29th, and that's exactly what they did in that game. They came out in the first period, played probably the best first period I've seen them play all year. Hands down. And then then went to sleep in the second and third periods and just let Boston walk all over them for pretty much a total 40 minutes. You know, there were, a couple, there were a few minutes where the Sabres had some momentum going their way, but probably 36 or 37 of those 40 minutes was all Boston. Yeah. So... And then they, it's just they go f- really frustrating the inconsistency of this team. And they go back to the Garden, Boston Garden, the next day and g- get their their you know what spanked. Um, I mean that that's a that's a that, that's a eight game uh, eight point game two in two games to get against Boston. That'd be a huge swing. And they came out that first period, and I was sitting at home watching the game, licking my chops watching this hockey game. It was. Carry Carry uh, take nails back us on a pretty clean hit in my opinion. Um, yep. Um, McQuaid responds as any any player should, and he comes in and and Carry cracks him in the in the face a few times, and uh, then the the linesmen break it up. 
uh, it's that that was huge. That was like, oh my god, this is this is hockey. We're watching. This is the hockey I want to watch. This is why I love the sport. The this our Sabers are out there playing, skating their asses off, and they come out in the second and third and play like that. No wonder why Eichel had a meltdown in the locker room in Boston. I mean, granted, being he's home. Uh, playing in front of his f- friends and family, so he's going to be heated no matter what. But to come out and um, have the meltdown after the game in front of the press is a pretty big deal, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something we should talk about. But I think he realized and the whole team realized how important those two games were. And that's why, kind of like you said, I was so excited after that first period. Cause I thought, okay, this team realizes, yep, a lot of bad things have happened up to this point. They've put themselves in a bad position. But if you can go and you can get four out of four points against Boston, one of the teams that you're that you're chasing for one of those three spots in the division, one of those three playoff spots, then we are having a different conversation now. That could have turned the season around. But you go out and you basically lay two eggs. And I think Eichel right there realized kind of what I felt after that second Boston game, that this team's playoff hopes are, are pretty much gone. And it's only gotten worse since that point. Like, it's only gotten more dire. But losing both of those games was really the nail in the coffin, I think. Well, and then after that, they come out, and after those two games, as bad as they were, they came out and they played well. Um, I don't know if that is linked to Jack's meltdown and calling out, uh, calling out players and showing his frustration publicly. Um, I know that Kane had a melt. I heard that Kane had a meltdown in the locker room after Thursday night's game against Tampa, which could have been another game that you win that kind of resurfaces you and shows, hey, we're 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 a real NHL team and we want to come out and play. I don't think teams undermine the Sabers. I think once in a while it happens, but I think they know if they're playing. If, if a team's coming into Buffalo or uh, Buffalo's going into another team's uh, rink, they know that Buffalo is going to give them a, at least a good period. They always have one good period. They're a, grit, they're a mean, gritty team, but they're just not getting it done. They're, they're too, well, I think you never know which, which Sabres team is going to show up, too. If the, if the good Sabres team shows up, then any team in the league is going to have some difficulty putting them down, but way too often we see the bad Sabres team show up. And that's been this team's M.O. for years now. I mean, when's the last time you can point to a to a Sabres team that has not had this frustrating inconsistency? I guess the two tank years, they were just bad always. So they were consistent at least. But beyond those two years, that's been what we've been saying really since that, that 2010 division winning team probably. Yeah, and even, even times in, in 2010 it was <laughs> – frustrating too because you you know you're predicted to win the east and you come out and you barely make playoffs and you lose in the first round it's uh it's been it's been it's been tough um going back to boston real quick um mcquade comes into uh johan larson in the in the corner chasing after a puck and uh Larson goes in the boards pretty bat, pretty fast and pretty hard and awkwardly and uh, shut him down for the rest of the season, it looks like, with uh, with um, discolated elbow and wrist, I do believe. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty ugly injury. And, yeah, it definitely wasn't surprising when they said right afterwards that, well, they said weeks, first of all, which I thought, wow, that's a pretty good prognosis. Then it became indefinitely and then very quickly became out for the season. That's a pretty big loss. Huge. Huge. He's been he, uh, he, 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 he was a he was a real cog. Yeah. Definitely. And you know, anyone that's listened to our podcast from this year that they can, you can go back and listen to me say how he's been one of my favorite players. It's the watch this year. He's he's been playing of grit. He's playing his position well. He's trying to skate and use all 200 feet of ice and c- coming back and uh getting back on the defense after joining rushes and it's a that's a huge loss right there I mean that you know granted we, we lost Eichel for two for the first two months of the season but you know a long term injury there hasn't been a long term injury more significant than Johan Larson this season yeah yeah I I think the, the trickle down effect from 
losing Arson. Because not only do you lose him, he, he's become a pretty effective NHL player, but I think you had somebody there where he could share some of the load with Ryan O'Reilly mm-hmm. at the center ice position against other teams' top lines. You know, there might be some some nights where O'Reilly, every single shift is going against the opposing team's top lines, but sometimes it made more sense to match up the Larson line against that line. Boy. So you'd see them going kind of back and forth, but now it falls all on O'Reilly. So I think that's probably the biggest impact that it has. It does impact the depth at center as well, obviously. Um, puts a little more pressure on Zemgis Gergensen's who I think has responded actually pretty well. I thought he, he he may have been the best Sabres forward on the ice in the Carolina game yep. yesterday. But um, it's that's a tough one to come back from. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you lose that. You, lo- you lose your line that has the best chemistry. You lose uh, Larson, Gianta, Foligno. Foligno is up with Eichel for the most part now. And, well, that la- the last couple of games, Gianta's been up there too. But, I mean... Having yeah, which I which is pretty sad in my opinion. I yeah. have not liked. I haven't liked it since Eichel came into the league. Ever having Gianta on his wing, I understand putting Felino with him, and I think I had advocated for that on our prior show or maybe two shows ago. I thought Felino probably made the most sense to be on Eichel's left. But if if you have Brian Gianta on your Probably your most—I mean, obviously your most dynamic offensive player. Probably your best forward already. If you have him on his right wing, you're not going too far. You're probably not going to be making the playoffs. You're not going to be scoring a whole lot of goals. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one uh, one bright spot, another bright spot in the injury is uh, seeing Sam Reinhart back at center. I think he's performed pretty well this. Sh- uh, so far, when he's on center, he hasn't been there the last couple games really. But uh, what's your thoughts seeing Sam on uh, center, Mark? I think it's necessary. I think he still does have his ups and downs too. Um, I think he will be pretty high level number two center. But I think, especially at this point, when I think dreaming about the playoffs is kind of putting you into fantasy land. They need to evaluate Reinhardt at center the rest of this year. He needs to be getting as much time at center. Sorry, excuse me, uh, as possible. So, I hope that they keep him there, even if he does have some rough stretches. Keep him playing there. I I do like his potential with it. You know, with his vision and his ability to make quick decisions with the puck. I think that's very valuable at center. And I think learning the defensive side of the game, it's kind of trial and error. It's kind of you need to be thrown to the wolves a little bit, and you need to figure it out. And I think he has struggled a little bit here and there in the defensive zone, but he needs to go through that. And if he never goes through it, he's never going to be an effective center. So I think that that should be one of the top priorities of the, of this organization for the rest of the season. I like the idea. Um, you know... I don't listen to much Journey, but I don't like to stop believing as well in the playoffs. Um, I I don't – do I think the Sabres are going to make playoffs this year? No. But I'm going to watch the games and keep track of the points. And until we're really out of it, I'm going to hope that we can make it playoffs still. So if um, if Reinhardt needs to come back up on, on Eichel's right-hand side and try that out some more – uh, I'd be for it, but right. I I definitely agree. If this season's gonna be a wash, let's uh, let's see let's see what Sam can do at center and let him go through the growing pains. Yeah, and I think it also kind of by extension it opens up some spots on the wing in the top nine. So it allows you hopefully to get a, a, another long extended look at Justin Bailey at some point, maybe. Nick Baptiste could get a, a long extended look in the top nine. Uh, you know, Will Carrier already has taken advantage of the openings in uh, at uh, at wing with this team. So I think that's an extension of, of it, having Eichel, O'Reilly, and Reinhardt down the middle as your top three centers. You know, you can give these other guys those types of looks. I think that'll be an important part of the evaluation process the rest of the year. Well, and if that happens, what what do you think about uh, Johan Larson? What happens to his role? Uh, are you going to sign him for money after this year to bring him back to play fourth line center? I 
I I big Johan Larson fan. I loved his play this year. He really laid it all on the table. But we got some pretty uh, interesting things coming up here with uh, some of our prove it guys. Larson being one, Felino being in another, and also Zygmunt Gergesens. So uh, I mean, if we're talking about this season being a wash, we're already thinking about what the heck are we going to do with this off season. Yeah, and I think that's probably what we should focus a good portion of this of this podcast on. And I don't think by putting Reinhardt at center for the rest of this year, you're necessarily saying that Reinhardt will always play center moving forward. Or if you're, you may not even be saying that Ryan O'Reilly is always going to be playing center moving forward. But I think when you have the opportunity to get somebody the time at center, and this is a golden opportunity, you should take it. And you can always move him back to wing, but you can't take that experience at center away from him. Uh, so I so I don't think those two are mutually exclusive whatsoever. And we've seen Johan Larson has been far more effective at center than on the wing. So I agree with you that probably thinking about him slotting in as a third-line winger would be – it. it's kind of outside of, of the realm of what I'm thinking. Yeah. We shouldn't be penciling him in at wing. I think he needs to be playing center. But I do think his injury probably will allow him to come back cheaper and maybe he will be able to agree to a, a one- or two-year contract again due to that injury. And I'm not sure if he's going to be 100% through the entire offseason or what. Yeah. Uh, and then we can talk more about Felino and Gergensen's as well. How do you, how do you feel about those two? Well, um, Zygmunt Gergensen's, uh has really impressed me of late. Uh, someone that I think we might even mention before, saying he's lost his kind of uh, – doesn't really have a role on this team – Larson going out, Zygmunt Gergensen's really has been performing, uh, showing that he can be physical. He can he can score goals. He can take he can take the puck away. He can he can he can uh, use use his size to keep the puck away from defenders. Uh, he's he's been uh, he's been uh, quite a pleasure to watch actually. And Marcus Foligno, I think if you watch the Sabres, his play speaks for himself. He's probably the hardest working guy in this entire roster right now in my opinion um i mean going at thursday night throwing punches at victor hedman that's one tall task uh felino's a big guy but he he's playing the he's playing the position of a powered forward and doing it well i uh i could see them the sabers spending some extra dough on him this year in the offseason yeah, I think of those three, it makes sense. They could make probably a longer-term commitment to Felino. I think the other two probably are still kind of in the prove-it stage. Larson, more so because of his injury. Mm-hmm. Um, then Gergensen's. It, d- it does depend on what happens with him down the stretch, but I think he probably won't want a long-term commitment either because the money just wouldn't be there because he's not going to have a whole lot of offensive production this year unless he catches on fire down the stretch. But I don't really necessarily see that happening. I don't see anybody really catching on fire offensively down the stretch with how much this team has struggled to score so far. So I could see both of those two still being in prove-it type of mode. And they're all going to be able to be protected in the expansion draft, so we don't have to worry about losing any of those three to Las Vegas unless there are some massive changes and Murray brings in multiple other forwards or something. But um, I think I think that's probably where we're – that's that's where we're at with with those three what, right what's now. What's the likelihood of Murray bringing in a bunch of forwards? Is uh, is pretty <laughs> unreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very unlikely. Um, but another uh, another guy we could uh, talk about who we haven't seen a whole lot of is um Dmitry Kulikov, a guy that I know me and you were both very excited to see before the season started. Um, out with a uh, out with a lower back issue, uh, still supposedly, uh, got hit in preseason in the open door, and uh, he's came back, hasn't looked good. I've seen him play very good for the Florida Panthers on multiple occasions. Uh, kind of a, a letdown, but you know we also get the pick for Asplund there too. So in the Mark Pissick trade, so. But I don't see Kulikov coming back. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I don't know. It'll be. I don't really know what to what to expect from his from his injury and when he's going to be back this year. But I do think, he, assuming he's healthy, he'll be traded at the deadline, and he could probably return 
maybe a late first. I don't know what the market's going to look like at this deadline. It does look like there are going to be a lot of teams in the mix, so I think it probably will be a seller's market. I think the prices for rentals will be driven up. So assuming he's healthy, I think he will be traded at the deadline. And it depends, too, on his on his price because it's possible that his injury this year could drive his price down in the free agent market. And maybe he becomes a very good target yeah. for Murray, kind of a discount target. But I think, assuming you trade him, the chances of, with all 30 teams bidding on his services, the chances of him coming back to Buffalo are pretty slim. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh... – Going back to one of your comments, I think a first, a late first round pick for Kulikov is almost dreaming right now. Uh, I don't know if a team. Uh, he's been a great player in this league. He's one of the more guys that's been feared on the blue line for the last five years. But uh, I don't know about a team giving up a, their first round pick if they for him if they haven't seen him at all this year. Uh, well, yeah, he would have to come back and and play at a relatively high level, I think, over a stretch of ten games or you know maybe more. I think for a team to be willing to give up that for him, so I think yeah, that's obviously there's there's a lot of things that would have to happen in order for that for that trade to actually be able to go through. But yeah, we'll have to see. It, it will be a it will be interesting uh, trade deadline this year, definitely. I think. Uh, I, I see a lot of, you know, the the rumors around Colorado are still swirling around with Duchesne and uh, Landis Gog. But uh, I, I've been seeing Carolina linked to it. I've been seeing Ottawa linked to it. I, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but uh, some something crazy is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Colorado's a very interesting situation. I, I cannot believe their record. They have yeah. 27 regulation losses, which is incredible. Um, and you've got to think they make so, they make a big move at some point, almost just for the sake of making a move. I don't I don't necessarily think if that's the right course of action, but I think they will just because they're expected to. You can, I don't think that moving Landis Cog or Duchesne is is the right move. It, it obviously depends on what you get back. Absolutely not. Two great players right there. Um, what do you do? You see, see there uh, any reality of the Sabers possibly trying to uh, get on a deal like that? I don't think so. I think if the Sabers are making a big move like that, it's probably looking at a defenseman. And I don't know if any defenseman. I don't. I haven't really heard Eric Johnson's name being thrown around out there, or Barry's name being thrown around out there. I'd be interested in either of those guys, but. I think the Sabres already do have a lot committed up front, and I don't think they really have the pieces either to be able to make that type of move because I don't think any of those core pieces, I don't think they're going to be willing to trade, you know, Sam Reinhardt or something like that uh, to make a, to make a deal happen. So the only, the, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised. The only player I could see them that a team might be interested in is uh, Jake McCabe, but I don't think his, his price is going to be that high either. So... Yeah, it would have to be Jake McCabe plus plus, I think, for them to really consider it. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about what that plus plus might be, do we really want to be depleting the defense further in order to trade for another forward? Now, obviously, if the value makes sense, I'm all for it. I want to win deals in terms of value, and then you can always trade other guys later. But uh, I I don't really see the Sabres as being a realistic contender for for any of those guys coming out of Colorado. Yeah, me either. But it just it, it's a fun thought to throw out there. Um, it is. I love big moves. I love seeing big trades. So yeah. it's definitely interesting to follow. Yeah. Um, and back to the Sabres, though, um, in the current roster. Um, Vander Kane, he's been pretty hot of uh, late December, December into January. Uh, what do you think about his play so far uh, as of late, Mark? Uh, it's been very good. I think he's been what we've what we've hoped for. He's been con- he's continued to be effective on the forecheck, and now he's started to put the puck in the net too. Uh, not that he didn't put it not not that he didn't score at a horrible rate last year or anything, but this is obviously the best he's looked as a saber in terms of uh, in terms of productivity. But I, what I wonder is 
at the trade deadline, do the Sabres consider trading Evander Kane? If they're if they're far out of the race, he does have one year left on his deal, uh, but the prices for him could be pretty substantial if it is a seller's market. Yeah. It could be pretty interesting. I don't think he's going to be producing at a much higher rate than this well, in the future. you got to think, though, what what teams are – he let's let's beat the beat the hammer with the nail the nail with the hammer here, and uh, let's say a lot a lot of teams know Vander Kane has personal issues off the off the rink stuff that hasn't really got me too upset uh, just with the simple fact of knowing that he is causing trouble but he hasn't got punished or. Uh, relinquished from the league. Um, I So, Vader Kane's name's out there. I don't know if you saw after the second um, the second Boston game that he was uh, calling out Miller on Twitter saying that he tries to, he tried to act tough after the 6-6 lineman got, linesman got involved with uh, pushing and shoving on the ice the day on the 30th. Of December, um, so he he's you know he's that prototypical kind of hothead, but he's been playing well and uh, really sh- really showing uh, dominant dominance with the Sabres team. Uh, definitely their most consistent forward in the last month and a half. So he, I think there'd be a good uh, good price out for him, but it, our team's going to be willing to pay that price of. Hey, we got a guy that can eventually get himself in trouble quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think if you're looking at it from one of these teams that really is a Stanley Cup contender, and if you look at it like this is a guy that could put us over the top and win us a Stanley Cup, I think a lot of those concerns kind of go out the window at that point. We see how he's been playing, like you said, in the last month, month and a half. Uh, that this guy could be the missing piece to put our forward core over the top. I think you you put those concerns on the back burner. If they come up, we'll deal with them in the future. But this guy has a legitimate chance to help us win a Stanley Cup. So I could see plenty of teams looking at it that way. Yeah. And, I mean, you do you do take on that extra year of him at, at $5.25 million cap, uh, a $5.25 million cap hit. And that is difficult for a lot of these contending teams that are up against the cap, but that's not a horrible risk to take. You know, even if he implodes next off season, you can find a team to take one year and five million dollars, especially with an expansion team coming in. Yeah, uh, y- you can find a team to take that. So it'll be interesting. I don't, I don't say I expect him to be traded, but I think they should be looking into it and see what the price is at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they'll get some callers. Um, what about uh, Derek Grant? Is uh, got claimed off of waivers. Were you surprised to see that? I was very surprised to see him get claimed, especially looking at some of the names that have gone unclaimed. Yeah, <laughs> so far this year. Uh, yeah, the fact that Derek Grant was zero goals in seventy-five NHL games and really hadn't contributed much to the to the Sabers team. If if you're bad enough to be waived. Out of this forward core, I'm shocked another team would want to pick you up. But I wish him the best of luck. I don't, I don't dislike him or anything. I just think that he didn't really bring a bring a good enough skill to be able to stick in the NHL in a fourth line role. Yeah, yeah, and he got picked up by a pretty good team in the Predators. Uh, Forty-seven points on the year this year. Um, so I yeah, mean, that was surprising too. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't a, a, a team in the basement yeah. picking him up. But I, I was kind of disappointed to see him go before Nick Delorier. I would have preferred to see Delorier get waived because Grant at least can play center and not kill you. And I think there is some value in having that as, as your 13th or 14th forward. But I think Nick Delorier doesn't really serve any purpose at this point. And I was a little disappointed to see Grant be the one to go first. Yeah, I I I uh I understand that argument too. Uh, with uh, Derek Grant was killing penalties, too. Uh, not all the time, but on uh, in certain situations that uh, Dan would throw him out there. But he's also playing killing penalties on the one of the worst penalty killing units in the league. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say unsurprisingly, the Sabers are horrendous at penalty killing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so. 
I was surprised as well to see Grant go. Um, I see Nashville played Boston and him and uh, McQuaid uh, exchanged fists. Uh, McQuaid, what I saw, pretty much owned Grant uh, in the fight. Yeah, that's not too surprising. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> McQuaid's only got about four inches and 50 pounds on him. Yeah, but Will Carrier smacks him silly. <laughs> yeah, with a little help from the oh, yeah. a little help from the linesman though. Oh yeah, D- definitely, <laughs> definitely. But uh, it's a uh, it, that I, I I know we talked about it earlier, but man, that was just so much fun. That might have been my favorite moment of the Saber season so far this year. Uh, and and looking at the McQuaid's face after he's like, what the hell just happened? This is, you know, like he was dumbfounded by the whole situation. And I was at like a Sabres high after that first period against Boston, uh, being at the game. I'm sure, I'm sure you were feeling about the same way. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And it was cool. Cause well, it was cool for the first period at least, but, uh, my sister and her new boyfriend came and it was his first NHL game that he went to. It's so like, you know, we're having a great time awesome first period like wow you know this is the best the Sabres have played all year and then of course the best first period they've played all year at least and then it all goes to it all goes to hell after that point but I couldn't believe it so I'm sitting up in the 300s and people didn't even stand up for those first two goals they scored the the two goals in the first period people weren't even standing up that's weird yeah I don't it was, it was. I don't get it at all. But there are people not standing up at the Bills game when they were scoring the uh, the the Bills Dolphins game too. So yeah. nothing surprises me anymore, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the I'll tell you what. It was everyone was get high fiving and getting into the game uh, in my section uh, th- Tuesday night against the Flyers. That was a that was a, a, a game that I really. I thought the Sabres, you know, they if they won it. I'm like, all right, on to Tampa. Like I said earlier, we're gonna we're gonna go out to Tampa if we can get a win out there in Florida. We're gonna be looking pretty decent right now. Uh, but you know, energy is definitely uh, the way energy is pres- not just the Sabres, but in all Buffalo sports, it's like, uh, okay, like it's it's hard to get excited. I see a lot of people. Uh, most of the people I asked about uh, with the the McDermott signing for the Bills, they didn't. They're just like, okay, whatever. Like they just didn't care. Because what do you expect when you are a Buffalo sports fan? It's been pretty tough. Yeah, that's true. I guess maybe some some people are finally getting defeated. I wonder why they still even agree to go to the games, though. If that's kind of the the mentality that they have. But, yeah. Um, that Philly game, we should probably talk about that and Nielsen's performance Whew. there. Uh, but Rock solid. one of the reasons why I didn't come out of that feeling super excited was because it wa- it was due to Nielsen playing so well. I mean, that was the reason why the score was what it was. And I don't think it's really sustainable to be able to expect your goaltender to be able to steal games like that for you on a on a regular basis. So that was why I didn't come out of that game feeling super pumped going into Tampa. Of course, that game they should, probably should have won, though, and they were right in a position to win that, that Tampa game. Yeah. Um, it makes you also wonder, too, though, after uh, long uh, Anders Nilsson, uh, I think he played four games in a row, five games in a row. Um, he we, We're going to get uh, Robin, Flutter, Robin Leonard off the, off the flu. We'll see what uh, a few oh, well, sitting down for a week is uh, done to him. Maybe he comes back uh, nice and strong. He's played well all year. I I am not going to complain about the goaltending on this team, no matter what, because they've done their job, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Leonard's definitely played at least up to expectations. I think Nielsen has just far exceeded expectations, and he's probably earned a lion's share of the starts at this point. Leonard will probably get one of. You've got to think he gets one of these two games tomorrow or Tuesday because they're back-to-back. They're probably not going to ride Nielsen through both of those games. Well, if the, uh, if the Sabres are going to be sellers and they're going to be out, what's the shame of just playing Robin Leonard the entire time? He's up on a, his contract's up at the end of the year. Um, you know, well, yeah, both of their contracts are yeah, up. Yeah, well, he... But, but Leonard's a restricted free agent, so you still retain 
his rights. I wonder if Nielsen could have any value out there. I think so. To to, to trade, you've got to think probably some team. There'll probably be an injury. L.A. Yeah, that could be a really good fit. I don't know when Quick exactly is supposed to be back though. Um, I haven't really been been following that situation, but you got to think somebody gets hurt, and then Nielsen, who costs nothing virtually. I mean, especially at that point in the year, against your cap, he'll count what like three hundred thousand dollars against your cap the rest of the year. Yeah. Um. So that would be interesting, but we'll see. I I certainly agree with you though that Leonard is still the the long term guy at this point, and it probably. Well, we need probably the, once you hit that point where you've kind of given up on the rest of the year, it probably makes sense to give Leonard more starts. Yeah, and I just just for an evaluation uh, to see really what he has. You know, he missed the first forty games last season uh, with that high ankle sprain, and now we're coming to hey, are we going to sign this guy for five five more years? You know, a big goalie deal. You know, are we gonna? Are we going to let him walk and you know, and let someone else pick him up? I don't think the Sabres are going to let him walk. But, I mean, there's a situation that needs to be taken care of here with Sabres goaltending. Uh, you, you know you're not going to get both guys back. So, and you're going to keep Leonard. So, evaluate him. Make sure he is the guy is my point, I guess. Yeah, and I think even if Leonard is Vezina caliber for the rest of this year, which we know, we, we know isn't going to happen, but... I still don't want to lock him up long term. I still don't believe in him to stay healthy and to and to be consistent enough over the long term. So I think probably what'll end up happening is either Nielsen's traded at the deadline or ends up walking to greener pastures at the end of the year because he some team offers him us you know, more of a starter role rather than a one A, one B type of role, and then Leonard gets a kind of prove it deal, like a one year deal at three million dollars or something for next year, and then they Reevaluated again in the in the next off season. That's probably what I'd guess at this point. Obviously, there's still a lot of season to be played, though, so kind of impossible to predict. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I wonder too. Um, I I wonder if the Sabers could be in the market. There are going to be a lot of goaltenders left unprotected in the expansion draft. I wonder if the Sabers could be out there looking for an upgrade. That's, with those guys, you know, rather than let plot. Las Vegas pick them. Yeah. I I haven't really thought about it up until just now because we talked about the expansion draft earlier, but I wonder you probably could pick up guys on the cheap relative to what their actual value is. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, in the future here, we're going to have to do an expansion draft just show, one show on the expansion draft because it's going to be a lot of fun this summer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen it. I think it's on capfriendly.com. They have a really good tool for going through, and you can pick who you think each team's going to protect, and it'll generate it for you. It actually shows you who's who's exempt and who's not exempt. Really? You'd probably have a lot of fun playing around with that. That would be helpful if we do do a show like that. Well, capfriendly.com, Sabres listeners, if you're, uh, if you're uh, interested in the expansion draft. Um they did not pay us for that advertisement, but but we'll, but, but we'll get <laughs> once our flood of listeners goes over there, maybe yeah. they'll start paying yeah. us. Throw throw <laughs> us the bone. Uh, <laughs> um, so um, our next game, we're gonna looks like we're gonna have a uh, Tyler Ennis back. Uh, what do you think about that, Mark? I can't say I have a lot of expectations yeah. for Ennis. Yeah, uh, coming off coming off being gone for that amount of time he has not played much at all in the last two years so I kind of have no expectations from at this point he, he certainly deserves to get a shot and to see what he can do the rest of this year kind of part of that evaluation process and we'll see what he does if he doesn't produce I think you start thinking about ways out of that contract yeah I think they already should be considering ways out of that contract but um, it could be It'll be very different if he plays the last 40 or so games of this season and looks proficient or if he doesn't look like himself. Yeah, I think it's a uh, I think it, it's it's something that I think the Sabres like uh PR is going to make a big deal of like you know, people saying, "Oh, hey, uh Ennis is back. We we're healthy." No, I mean, I don't expect really anything from him. I don't expect 
him to come in and make a difference whatsoever, actually. Uh, I hate to say it, I just think the the wheels turned on uh, on Ennis there, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I. They are looking like they're going to put him in a position to succeed. He Today at practice, he was next to O'Reilly and Oposo. So, I mean, that might be the best spot for a winger on the entire team next to those other two. Yeah. Uh, so they're putting him in a position to succeed. They're talking also about either having probably Carrier or Delorier playing center, which will be interesting. Biles might actually said there's a possibility Delorier could play center. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's give that line two minutes of ice time next game. Uh, God help us. <laughs> I know. And I'm seeing again... So I had something pulled up that, as of now, Delorier is the fourth-line center. But Cal O'Reilly is an option. So that's where we are right now. I wonder why they... In the, in the post-Derek Grant era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and I, th- this is something I've thought of uh, before, is uh, even when Derek Grant was still on the rosters, hey, what's wrong with bringing Cal O'Reilly up to come play? What, what service is he really... Uh, Holding in Rochester, you know, I know they've already taken so much away from Rochester, but if you need a guy to come out and p- kill penalties and uh, play in the fourth line and center of the fourth line, Cal O'Reilly isn't a terrible option. Uh, he killed penalties last year. I felt like he did it pretty well. Yeah, I think Cal O'Reilly brings a lot more to the table than somebody like Delorier. I do feel really bad, though, about. Rochester, I mean, you talked about how many guys we've pulled from there. And I've complained in past episodes about Tim Murray. I can't believe I haven't brought up Tim Murray yet, really, <laughs> in, in this and all his mistakes. But uh, we've just pulled so much from there. And, and Rochester fans that have been there through thick and thin, a lot of them are, are very upset with the Sabres organization and really the position that they've left Rochester in this year because this team's pretty healthy right now and Rochester is still pretty depleted Yeah, because the Sabres haven't used all their 50 contracts and then they lose Derek Grant so that that's another guy basically that you have to pull up from Rochester in order to make the numbers work so it's a it's a pretty horrible position for them and it's no surprise that that they have been pretty bad this year yep um so I'm just looking at the the Saber schedule now for uh, these next uh, the next five games. We got the Dallas Stars coming in the town tomorrow, and then we're traveling to uh, Toronto against the Leafs. Uh, team has been pretty hot. Austin Matthews has been pretty hot. I hate this team. Uh, I hate Mike Babcock now. I never had a problem to him. Until he went to Toronto and used the Sabers as a as his bait to get the money he wanted in Toronto, uh, and then Friday we play the Red Wings. Saturday we're in Montreal, and then next Tuesday we'll be playing in in Nashville. Um, five pretty tough games right there. Uh, what do you think the Sabers can uh, come out with in these next five games as a record? Uh, I'm not too confident. I mean, the only team on that list that I feel good about playing is the Red Wings. They are coming off. They won 6-3, to three, I believe, last night against the Penguins. Yeah. Um, so they kind of, you know, they kind of exploded offensively, and that game will be at home. I think that one's pretty much a must win. I think if you want to keep the playoff hopes alive, that Toronto game is close to a must win right now. But I don't feel good about playing that team. I mean, you talked about it. Austin Matthews is hot. That team really has a little bit of everything. I, I still don't like their defense a whole lot, but they make up for it by just being able to roll four lines. They've got offensive talent everywhere throughout that lineup, but they've also got grit mixed in there. Each of their lines has 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 a little bit of everything, and they just come at you, and they play a pretty fun style to watch, as, as much as I hate to say it, but that puck possession type of style that – Babcock instituted so well in Detroit. He's been able to institute that quickly in Toronto. Now he really has the skill players to be able to do it effectively. Uh, so I also don't feel good about playing the Stars. I, I'm not confident about beating them. 
tomorrow. So I'd be I'd be very happy with a split in these next five games. You know, to be able to to be able to come out of to be able to come out with five points, I would probably be happy with. Oh, that'd be excellent. I I'd, I'd be uh I'd be uh thinking the lucky stars, um, not the Dallas stars, but that but. Uh, Brett Hall is in the crease, so they are kind of lucky stars. Now that I think about it, uh, but yeah, uh, Toronto. I've talked about it before. Um, this is this is where I thought our team would be this year. I I really did. I thought we'd be competing. We'd be playing in the top of our division. We would uh, be having a lot more success this year. And uh, this is about as low as I get with my hockey life right now <laughs> with Toronto and the Sabres and my crazy thoughts. Yeah. And I think this is one instance where I was right and I talked about it over the off season that I just think Toronto executed their rebuild far better than the Sabres did. They were a lot more patient and they didn't go out and try to, you know, try to just get rid of all their picks and try to get better quickly and then paradoxically they got better more quickly than the Sabers. Um, I think they, I think they've drafted better yeah. as well, and the the coach helps a ton. Obviously, Bilesma can't hold Babcock's jockstrap, so that plays a huge role. I know. And their management team is far better as well than the Sabers management team, so all that plays a role. But um, they've just executed their rebuild far better, I think, and it's and it's showing now. I don't think this is a fluke. From them, their defense is only going to get better too. They're only going to be able to add more to their defense, and they've got unlimited financial resources and the biggest fan base in the league. So that's a that's a pretty tough machine to think about trying to beat over the next ten years. Uh, I'm pulling my. If you could see me, guys. If the listeners could see me now via Skype, I'm pulling my hair out. I. I just well, that was one thing we could always count on. Was even when the Sabres were having one of their mediocre types of years, fighting to get to 10th place in the conference, we would still dominate Toronto, whether on their ice or on Buffalo ice. Toronto was always one thing you could count on. Like, oh, at least we're not the Leafs. Yeah. But we don't have that anymore. Nope. Nope. They're finally well run, very well run, I think. Uh, I think Shanahan is great. And then Babcock, obviously is is fantastic as well and, and nothing pains me more than to say positive things about them but i think they're fun to watch too yeah i don't like to admit it i'm always rooting against them still <laughs> yeah but yeah well the problem is too team. i don't really i don't really dislike any of their core players there's not really anything to dislike about austin matthews i mean he doesn't really say much of anything he doesn't really celebrate i think it's kind of cool he's a he's an american and you know he should be somebody that Team USA is counting on for years to come. Yeah. Um, Marner's much the same way. I mean, he doesn't say very much. Um, Nylander, kind of another guy that goes about his business. A little flashier probably than the other two, but. Yeah. Morgan Riley too. I mean, none of those guys really do anything that stands out to me as being something to dislike. But I still. See- and the one guy you could say that he does stuff that you dislike, I like, is um, Kadri. I think he's a great player, and he 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 runs his mouth, yeah, but he gets it done on the ice. So if you can if you can if you can walk the talk and talk the walk, <laughs> I think he's learned how to do that too. Yeah. It took him some time, but he's a pretty effective. Uh, Number two center now, I would say. You know, pretty effective top nine guy at the very least. And he fits in pretty well with the rest of that group. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this will be another important stretch. Uh, the, the schedule really doesn't look easy for a long time. Yeah. Nope. It doesn't really get any easier after that because they play the Stars again, then the Canadians, then the Rangers, then the Senators. So. Yeah. Then, we, then we get down to the- we get down to uh, for February, and we're playing the Sharks and the Ducks and the Devils and the Senators. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a, a interesting month of hockey. Definitely, yeah. Um, so I know that you 
are getting pretty close to when you have to go into work, so I want to make sure we just fit in what we have to at the at the end of the episode here. Yeah, do you got any questions uh, or anything for me? Uh, um, I'm trying to think if there any, if there's anything we didn't we didn't hit. How do you feel? Like, are are, are any of these matchups coming up one that you really have your your eyes on probably besides that Maple Leafs one because I know yeah. we all have that, but it would have it would have uh, it would have to be the Red Wings then. Uh, we're uh, we're a little lower in the standings than them, uh, a team that we could possibly catch um, if if we can work our way up the schedule and uh, really br- uh, bring it to the Red Wings at home. Uh, it could uh, get us ready to travel to Quebec to play the Canadians. So. I would say I've got the Red Wings circle on my calendar right after the Maple Leafs. So those are the two biggest games, in my opinion, coming up because there's no way in hell we can catch the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. Yeah, those are the two teams you got to pass if you really want to if you really want to make the playoffs this year. One more quick question. Mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe your opinion has changed over the last uh, few weeks, but who is the Sabres' next captain? Oh, man. I think about this. On my drive to work, while I'm at work, when I'm eating dinner, and I would have to say, I want it, okay, what I want and what I think's going to happen are different. I think that Jack Eichel needs a little more time still. I think that he can be a great captain, and you know what? Him going out there and igniting the team out in Boston after losing the two games in a row to him, uh, it showed that it showed in the players' play that, and everyone else started saying, "Yeah, we're disappointed in ourselves." We didn't hear that from players until Eichel had that outburst. He definitely has a huge impact on this team. He's a great leader. I going back and we we're talking a few episodes episodes ago about um about the World Juniors and him being a leader in the locker room at World Juniors, even though he didn't have a letter on his sweater. Um. That, the World Championships, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the World Championships. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Ryan O'Reilly works his butt off day in, day out. He had appendicitis, got his appendix out, and was out and back playing in 10, ga- 10 days. That is unheard of. That This guy is tough as nails, and I just, you know, both of them are excellent choices. I think the Sabres are going to go with Jack Eichel. I think maybe Ryan O'Reilly deserves it a little more. Your thought? I think I've been convinced over the last few weeks that it should be Eichel, that Eichel should be the next captain. As much as I respect Ryan O'Reilly, and I've been saying O'Reilly all along, but I think it will be Eichel. And I need to correct myself because it's the World Cup of Hockey, yeah. <laughs> not the World Championship. So I'm sorry, I corrected you incorrectly. <laughs> hey, I was on a tangent. I couldn't slow myself down. <laughs> I love getting into rants. Nothing better I like than rants. But uh, th- that was just something I thought maybe your opinion had changed. I know I had thought about it a little bit since our prior episode. Yeah, It's always an interesting thing to talk about. There's not, there's not a right answer either. I think you can really support either option. I think it's between those two without a doubt, though. Yeah. I um, I um, it should that It's not going to be something we're going to be done talking about either. We're going to be talking about this quite a bit. But I, if the Sabres bring uh, Gianta back for a couple of years, I definitely see them throwing the captain's spot back on him too. So keeping it. Oh, uh, I hope that he's not. He's not back. I I respect what he does, but I think you're gonna have to pay more to get him back than he actually does bring to the table. Yeah. Because once veterans get up there, they become more expensive, and I think. I think you can have these cheaper young guys able to fill what he does. Hey, I, 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 for a lot I, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to his uh, his retiring too this year. But uh, who's to say he's ready to do it? We, we'll find out. Only time can tell. But um, yeah, it's been an honor. It's been fun being on here again. I'm sorry for the hiatus. Like Mark said earlier, guys, I'm a very very busy man. Uh, jack of all trades. Uh, professional C-League men's league hockey player, uh, <laughs> ski instructor now, bartender, uh, loving loving boyfriend, loving father of a dog. So it's been a, it's been a little hard for us. Mark Mark also made it to some con, uh, go see Aesop Rock, and how can I hate a brother for that? So uh, 
sorry for the hiatus again. I just want to let everyone know we really appreciate uh, us listening. You guys listen to us talk about our favorite sport. Definitely, yeah. It's it, it's always a good time to catch up and, and talk about the Sabres, and hopefully we're able to do this again. Just kind of looking on the calendar, maybe next Sunday we can do this as well and be able to talk about these four upcoming games that we were just talking about. So Next, next Sunday is uh, perfect for me. So Okay, well, that'll be the plan. Maybe we can do it on, on Sundays every week. That would be great if we could have like kind of a set time. Yeah. Because it is so difficult just with our schedules being completely opposite. And then, yeah, like like Josh had said, we were looking to do it last Friday, and then I ended up I, – uh, I had tickets to go to the Aesop Rock concert here in Fargo, which was pretty awesome. So uh, it was worth the, you know, worth a little bit of extra delay, I think. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Sabres fans, always a pleasure. Go Sabres. Let's see what these next five games bring us. Uh these next four games bring us, and we will see you then.